a huge piece is um, being present for somebody, holding the space for them while also protecting myself. And I not only do that with my patients, and Dr. Who can attest to this, I annoy him most mornings where I'm like, <laughs> let's sit down for an hour and just tell me how you're feeling. How was your night last night? Are you stressed today? Yeah. <laughs> now I'm used to it. So that was Dr. Who and Dr. Greengard, and they are from MedRoyal, a Chandler, Arizona-based naturopathic office that is really specializing in treating humans like humans. You can just hear it in their voices, right? They are so genuine and so real. And this was such a fun conversation because as a person who spent over $300,000 trying to find medical help, talking to these two doctors who actually care about their patients And you can hear it, not just in the tone of their voice, but in the words that they use in this podcast. They genuinely and purely care about making people feel better. That was such an amazing relief for me. I cannot wait for you to hear this podcast. Without further ado, let's get to becoming legendary. Maximize every opportunity so that you can become you legendary. Become legendary. What adjustments can you make right now to make yourself one Your percent better? Your only goal is to be the best version of you. You too, Christina. Welcome so welcome to becoming legendary. Thank you guys so much for coming on today. Thank you for having Thank us. You. This is exciting. <laughs> How are you? Great. Good. Lovely. Uh, so you guys are the executive director and the medical director of MedRoyal. Correct. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Twins. Yes. <laughs> and twins. Heck yes. So I always ask this question to medical professionals first because I'm, I'm an end of one experimenter. So does being in this role, does it, having this position in the world lead you, has it led you to any fun end of one experimentation on yourselves? Go ahead. Doctor Who? Um, no, you, you go ahead. So, N of one. Yeah. What is that exactly? So that would be a study with only one participant. Oh, and okay, a sample size. Gotcha. Yeah. I didn't want to go first because I didn't want that. Much. <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. I can say that since not only becoming a doctor, but being a medical student, my end of one would be learning so much more about myself and the growth that has happened before I even started medical school. I wanted to go the traditional route with conventional medicine and then found naturopathic medicine and was like, Oh no, this is a game changer. This is, this is the direction I was meant to be in. And so I'm constantly doing these little studies on myself because I knew one day I wanted to you know, ask my patients to try this diet or do this meditation and I needed to experience it first. Yeah. So I did a lot of those little studies on myself yeah. Yeah. about this journey, really. 
Yeah, my story is very similar. Growing up, you know, everyone in my family they're traditional Chinese medical doctors. So I grew up in that environment. I always knew I want to be a doctor,、um, and I always knew that I wanted to practice integrative medicine as career. So I guess my ex-、uh, experimentation started when I was very young, and you know, and the more and more I learned about what we do, and in medical school, the more passion I developed for this career. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> So let me. I'm gonna roll back because I start every podcast with a different question. So this is gonna be the first podcast where I haven't asked this question first, which is fun. <laughs> What does a typical day in your lives look like? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, the alarm is set for you know super early. How? What super early? Super early would be six six thirty. That's early for me. I'm、okay. not a morning、yeah. person. <laughs> You know, I wake up. I try to do some meditation to prepare myself for the day.、Uh, I get to work, and usually Dr. Greengard and I will do some prep work. You know, clean the office a little bit, and around eight, eight thirty, or sometimes nine, patients just come in, and we. Usually don't take any breaks or lunch break, you know, because patients are usually just one after another.、Uh, in our spare time, we do chart notes, and our day usually ends at、uh, six or seven, and then we go home. And after we go home, we also have our clinic owners' duties we have to take care of. So our days end usually around nine or ten, you know. But since we love what we do, it doesn't feel like a long day. Yeah. So. Some there's another owner who's not here with us. That's Dr. Carbon.、Um, I think when Dr. Who is saying we, he's he's implying him and Dr. Carbon. Because my day is a little bit different in that, you know, the beginning when we first opened the clinic, I was along the same lines where you know it was just go 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 all day long. Get home, do work, chart notes, finances, whatever it may be. Um, but now I have a new puppy. I'm newly married, so I didn't want that really interfering with my life as much. And I thought, you know, we have the luxury of being business owners that I can change my schedule if I want to. So I really try to fit all my chart notes and finances and all of that into my day to day, Monday through Friday, seven to six maybe, and then I'm done. It's hands off because self care is important to me. You know, we just got out of med school and our adrenals were shot,、mm-hmm. shot. Absolutely, we were just like running on empty. So、um, it's really the name of the game for me right now is after work is taking care of myself. Yeah, a lot of self care. So let's start there. How did you right? Self care is a big piece that a lot of people miss in the in the wellness puzzle or in the life puzzle. Right, we can all fall into this. I don't know if it's necessarily a trap, but it's a an experience where we feel like in order to provide the best for those of us around us, we just need to go until we have nothing left in the tank. How did you find the path towards the necessity for self care? And I I hear the adrenal the adrenal. Pull、mm-hmm. after med school、mm-hmm. was there. Is that the, was that the trigger? Um, that's a really good question. So, I had a couple of burnouts, adrenally speaking, during med school because I was that person that was just go go go. Had to be involved in every activity. Had to take, you know get the most out of my time for the four years and learn everything I possibly could. And then I crashed a couple times really hard. I mean, in bed for weeks just trying to recover. 
And then um, I met my now husband in the latter part of medical school, and I realized I, that would affect our life if, if I let myself burn out like that. And not to mention the fact that most of the patients I see is mind-body. I'm dealing a lot with like anxiety and depression and panic disorder. So when I'm with them in the office, I need to be with them. You know, I don't want to be a drained person. I want to be able to offer myself and also protect myself when I'm having those conversations. So a huge piece is um, being present for somebody, holding the space for them while also protecting myself. And I not only do that with my patients, <laughs> Dr. Who can attest to this, I annoy him most mornings when I'm like, <laughs> let's sit down for an hour and just tell me how you're feeling. How was your night last night? That's very odd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm used to it. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I just didn't want to let myself get to that place. I wanted to take care of myself so that I could be the right doctor and wife and business partner and yeah. you know the right person for all of the people in my life yeah yeah how how great is that I know. <laughs> huge change from what i was a couple years ago and dr who what is it like after you sit down with her for an hour <laughs> talk about your feelings i didn't like it at the beginning uh, because i always keep things to myself i'm a very shy introvert person however after a while after getting used to it i feel like it just feels nice to have someone asking about how you're feeling and you know after a while i started doing that with my patients to show how much i really care about them and i've gotten great feedbacks all thanks to dr gringar <laughs> yay <laughs> so medroyal the idea, I think, is to create a wellness space, and you guys are welcome to correct me when I'm, when I'm wrong here, but a wellness space, a wellness practice that, and I think your, your verbiage is really about empowering the patients correct. and informing the patients, and, and that is not the typical experience right. of, a, of a doctor-patient relationship. So how did that idea come, come about for you guys? Well, that was a journey. Yeah, I feel like... Doctors, you know, as doctors, we can, you know, give advice, give medication, supplements, but really 80 to 90% of the work is done by our patient, you know, it's about how they take care of themselves, what they do with the information that we give them. If they feel empowered, if they feel motivated to take good care of them, that's how, you know, we can prevent a lot of the, you know, chronic illnesses. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how much we do, it's about what they do with the information. So make, by making them feel empowered, we get the best results. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I fall into that trap sometimes too, of when you have a busy day and you just have patient after patient after patient, it's very easy to get to this point where you say, okay, your labs say this, here's this supplement. Okay, bye. I'll see you next week. I need to see my next patient. Instead of taking the time to say, well, you know, this lab shows the level of inflammation and that can be caused by X, Y, and Z. And what are you doing on your daily life that may contribute to that? How can we bring that down? You really have to dissect everything and, and get them to understand so that they know why the supplement or medication that you're wanting to suggest is going to help them. Yeah. Because if they don't, they'll be like, well, why am I spending $45 on this? It doesn't make any sense. I don't see how that's correlated. Yeah. 
So I think it is really important. And luckily, we block off a lot of time for each of our patients. We don't have that like five to 10 minute window. It's like half an hour, hour. Most of my patients are like an hour and a half or two hours. (laughs) So, um, and because that's one of our our principles is doctor is teacher. So we have to make sure that they know that they they're fully in control of their health care. It's not us. We're just there to guide them along the way, you know, mm. teach them these little tidbits along the way. I, so many times my patients teach me. The other day I had a patient who was teaching me about the carnivore diet. She knows I'm vegan. And so she was like, carnivore diet. I was like, what is that? That sounds wild. And then I did a lot of research. I was like, that's pretty cool. So, you know, we learn from them too. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, so... A, that's amazing. That experience, I think the reality is exactly what you said, is that I love that doctor as a teacher. Like, I love that concept. I love that concept. And I also, I love the fact that everyone really, truly has to be in charge of their own individual health care. Absolutely. Because no one on the planet is going to know you as an individual better than you. Mm-hmm. You are literally the world's foremost expert in you. Seven and a half billion people, you know more about you than anyone else. Mm-hmm. No matter how educated anyone is, they can't possibly know more about you than you. And that's not, again, that's again, not always the experience someone gets when they go into a doctor's office, right? When I went through, you guys probably don't know, but I went through a major health issue and for years, I two years bedridden and for ugh, 15 years, just like really massive uh, mitochondrial dysfunction, right? So just energetic levels that I was constantly managing every single day, all the time, 100% of the time. But I looked normal on the outside. So when I go into a doctor's office, I didn't get, no one, no one gave me that, like, you have something wrong. But I knew, I knew there was stuff wrong. Like it was not, it was not working. And that, having that, a doctor's office, having people that care about you in that way is, is truly dramatically changing health. So thank you guys. That's rad. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> We're happy to do it. <laughs> what is something that you wish you knew from the very get go? And I know you guys are pretty new, right? We're a year into the practice. Yeah. Correct. So, but if we could rewind a year back, what's something that if you knew you would have saved yourself so much headache? Everything. <laughs> for me, the most important, the one thing I, the school didn't prepare us for is, you know, the challenges doctors have in the medical system. Mm. It's not as simple as patient comes in, diagnose, treat, that's it. Yeah. There's a lot of behind the scene work and there's a lot of challenges we face, not in front of patients. Um, I just wish that, you know, we knew that part a little better to save ourselves some headaches some time and yeah. save patients some you yeah. know, time as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's being a doctor, you know, even other, the doctors who see patients just for five, 10 minutes, but behind the scene work is a lot more than that. Yeah. And I just wish I knew more about it. Yeah. <laughs> and then also trying to juggle running a business mm-hmm. with having to be a physician. I wish that I would have, you know, I, I did, I, I spent a lot of my medical school time focusing on being a good physician, which 
I'm, I'm grateful for, but I wish I would have also prepared myself for like adulting, you know, and actually owning a business and being a physician. And, um, there wasn't always going to be an attending watching over me. Um, so I wish I would have, I would have, uh, prepared for that a little bit better. You can overlay that over pretty much everything, right? Mm-hmm. Any skill, any skill that you have, you get out and then you realize, oh, it's not just the skill. Right. I also have to do all this stuff so that I can demonstrate this skill or I can utilize this skill for people. So that, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a real challenge in a lot of different, in a lot of different aspects in life. That moment where it's like, oh, I'm really talented at this thing. So I'm going to be successful. It's just not true. That's right. You can be the most, talent. you can be the most talented, most brilliant person on the planet and, and fail at, at anything you try. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, way off the subject and and on the subject i think there's there's a reality in our life right now that we have put too much emphasis on intellect and we are this whole like uh, what can i do to cram more information in my brain how can i how can i pull more more intelligence and how can i how can i it's not even intelligence really right it's how can i put more already created data inside the computer that sits inside my head and we've, we've emphasized that so much that we've lost a lot of the, what I think is really intelligent, which is the emotional intelligence. Like, how do we relate to humans? Mm-hmm. And once, if you can't, if you can have whole, all the information possible in the world in your brain, you still have limited data because we don't know everything. Mm-hmm. But if you can connect with people and you can, you can hold relationships and you can care about people, you can change the world. And you can be successful at almost anything if you care about people. Oh, yeah. Which is what I love. <laughs> I think that's actually a great point. And, and to go back to your question, I think that is something that I wish I would have done a little bit differently is that I did focus so much on academics that I was not fine tuning those interpersonal skills. Yeah. And like, I, I don't, I wouldn't say that I'm, you know, have a hard time building that rapport initially, but I definitely struggle with it. I think yeah. more than, than some people, um, because I was just so nose in the books for four years and not trying to really, really strengthen my relationships. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why I bug him for an hour. <laughs> like, okay. I need to get into my people mode right now. Yeah. Cause last night I was just doing charting. So, right. <laughs> And I agree, there are a lot of amazing physicians out there who know a lot, yeah. but, you know, they don't have that interpersonal skill. Yeah. So often, you know, patients would not come back to them. I feel like, you know, if you care enough, if you find enough time in your day to do research on your patient's cases, any doctor could potentially find the best treatment for that yeah. patient. However, you need to find a way to you know, transfer that information to the patient in a way that, you know, they can understand and they can relate to. So you have definitely have to be a well-rounded person. So on that topic, you know, one challenge that I have to assume you guys run into, and I'm hoping it's infrequently, but I have to imagine it happens every now and then is there are, there have to be people who aren't looking to be empowered with their health, right? Mm -hmm. Who want the, Where's the magic button that you can press to fix all these problems I've created? Right. And what is that experience like? Because I know, I know I run into that. Like I know, I think pretty much everyone in a, in a wellness sphere is going to run into that in some way. And I run into it in very different ways than you guys do. But 
there are no magic buttons, right? Mm-hmm. That we that we can all agree on. There are no magic buttons. I there wish. are no magic pills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you wish, yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> but when someone comes in and and they're not looking to be educated and they're not looking to be taught and they're just looking for how much can I spend with you so that you'll fix me? And there's no amount. You could say infinite amount of money. We can't promise that's going to happen because money doesn't have all the solutions for human wellness. How do you guys, how do you guys handle that situation? It's tough. It is tough. We do the best we can. You know, I run into those situations a lot because I see a lot of urgent care patients, Mm -hmm. acute visit, uh, acute visits and, Patient who just tell me, you know, I don't want to know what's happening in my body. Mm. I just want a pill to make my problem go away. So when, you know, that's the case, I, of course, I respect patient's opinion. You know, I try not to overwhelm them with information, but I still feel like it's important that they stay informed. If they want the medication instead of, you know, natural ways to heal, I give them options, but I also tell them, you know, these are the side effects you might encounter. Mm. These are the ways I would, you know, fix uh, side effects for you, you know. So at the end, after spending, I don't know, 30 minutes, they still leave with their quote-unquote magic pill, but they are definitely more informed and they will be aware of what's happening after they take the magic pill. Yeah. 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 I think Dr. Who experiences that a little bit more than I do because the patients that I typically see, they are already coming to me because they know that I'm going to be a little bit more natural in the way that I'm healing and that it's more often than not, I'm dealing with chronic conditions. And so they know it's going to be a long haul. And honestly, a lot of them, they've gone through the ringer for so many years that they're they know that this is not going to be an easy cure. And especially with naturopathic medicine, because we're really getting to the the root cause of a a disease state and getting all the way down there and then trying to fix it from the bottom takes time. And I think they all understand that, but it's, there has been a couple of times where I've been able to tell from the get go that this person might have unrealistic expectations. And at that time, then I just, talk to them about where they're at and let them know what we're doing here at Med Royal so that they have the opportunity in that first visit to decide if this is for them or not. Yeah. Yeah. Informed, Mm -hmm. informed place to start from. Mm -hmm. Then they get the choice. Um, If you were looking at the collective community that you're experiencing, is there any one or two things that you're seeing that people are consistently doing that are having remarkably detrimental effects on the general populace? Health-wise, stress has to be one. Oh, gosh, stress. It's like, I didn't even think about stress because everybody's got stress. Like, it's just assumed. Um, I would say for me, I see a lot of patients who are coming in to address uh, weight problems and because they're trying all these fad diets and in doing that, they're sort of almost it's causing more detriment to their system because ketogenic diet is a perfect example. You know, people see that, okay, you reduce the amount of carbs and then I get to eat meat and dairy and all the good things. And what they're doing is that, that allotment of carbs, whether it's 50 grams or 80 grams a day, they're choosing to eat their daily allotment with like a processed I don't know, chocolate chip cookie Mm -hmm. instead of choosing the good vegetables that have moderate carbohydrates in them. And so now I'm dealing with patients who have messed up gut flora because they're not 
they're not eating the right vegetables and they're not eating any vegetables really. And so then they have no fiber and their hormones are all out of whack and their liver is, you know, congested. So, um, I think, I think that's a lot of the times I'm dealing with, with, with that cleaning up, really trying to get people empowered in nutrition and not just focus on these fad diets. You know, you put in Google, how can I lose weight fast? You know, yeah. the master cleanse, a ketogenic diet. And it's like, but really understand what those diets consist of and the food that you're putting in your body. Yeah. So. Yeah. Building blocks. Yeah. Yeah. For me, uh, a lot of my patients are on a lot of different medications for certain chronic illnesses. And they were put on it at the beginning because, you know, this thing is going to fix them. However, what they are not aware of, you know, there are certain medications that, you know, once you start taking it, you know, although it's going to mask your symptoms and cause more problems later on. Yeah. So now we have to, you know, help them fix those issues and inform them, you know, about the side effects of medication, what nutrients will deplete in your body. So a lot of people, you know, after years of taking the same medication, yeah, the initial problem is gone. But now they got five other problems yeah. that they have to deal with. Chasing the dragon. Exactly. And another thing is a lot of people who have chronic conditions like autoimmune disease or chronic viral infection causing them a lot of fatigue, mm-hmm. um, they don't know that there are options out there. Just because you know the conventional medicine model doesn't provide a lot of treatment options, there are options. Yeah. So sometimes they come in, you know, for something else. And then I ask them, what other issues do you have? And they say, you know, I have this and that, but I know there's no treatment for that. So I've been suffering for years with no help. Mm-hmm. So I just want to make sure they're empowered, they're informed about these available treatment options yeah. so they can get better instead of suffering in silence. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's something for everything. Exactly. For everything. Yeah. If you're willing to, if you're willing to dig enough. Exactly. <laughs> so on the other side of that coin, is there anything that you would recommend generally to the populace that they should be doing to improve health, wellness, happiness? Well, mine's going to be mind body. So I, I'm a huge fan of meditation and yoga and introspection. And so whether your form of personal discovery is sitting down and free free writing, you know, in a journal, or if it is sitting in your backyard and looking at the beautiful flowers and just thinking about your day and processing, you know, the conversations you had with people, you know, something like that. Um, or if you're, you have a yoga practice and you can just sort of be somewhere else for a little bit. I think if I could recommend introspection and self-discovery practice that would be my number one for everyone (laughs) for me i want my patients to always stay informed and take charge of their own health uh i tell my patients you know here's my treatment plan and research them you know join communities and people who have similar issues and ask for their advice, communicate with each other so that they're aware of what's happening in their body and they can do their own research on my treatment protocol. And, you know, if I make a mistake, I want them to be my teacher so that I can improve as well. Um, I know there's a lot of information on the internet that's not correct, but, you know, there are a lot of good resources too where patients can find information on treatment. I I like like that. It's almost... You know, if you have 
a hundred people suffering from one similar thing right. that, and, and there, no one has the perfect answer, right. but if a hundred people have found things that have moved them just a little bit closer to better, exactly. and you can somehow connect that web, exactly. you can move everybody significantly further, right? We right. can exponentially Absolutely. improve wellness yeah. through that. I, I really do. I really do appreciate that. Um, and then back to just sitting in the backyard and like, mm looking at a flower until, until you're happy. Sakuru, Sakuru talks about this thing. And if you listen to the podcast, you probably heard about Sakuru because I talk about him all the time. Um, he talks about how do you go, how do you go sit down next to a rock and make yourself so lovely that eventually the rock starts to appreciate you. Mm -hmm. Right. And that is like, that is my goal of every single day. How do, how can I make myself such a lovely being that the rocks around me are singing my praise? And if I can do that just a little bit, ah, that'd be cool. How could life be bad? <laughs> <laughs> um. So, I because of probably because of my 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 past, uh, I have this this fatigue thing, and. I, one of the things that I think is really interesting is the way that we're living in the world. We're just bombarded with information and data and, and excitement. And there's just constant, there's constant stimulus coming at us. We all talk and we all know, we can all recognize the signs of like musculature fatigue, right? Everyone's like, Oh, I'm sore. You know, I, I worked out really hard, but we, we never pay attention or very rarely feel people are paying attention to that, that neural fatigue, right? The fact that we've overstimulated our brain or suffering or suffering consequences that it's, it's just another organ, right? It's an organ that can be overused and overstimulated and, and put in a bad place. Do you, do you ever, has any, has anybody ever talked to you about neural fatigue? How about that? Let me start there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. A lot of my patients have it. Yeah, you know, for they, sure. They have the symptoms and they are not sure what's going on in their body. Yeah. So, you know, I start talking to them about, you know, our modern lifestyle, you know, their job, their environment, and what are the factors that cause them to feel that way. Yeah. And, you know, they are, the first step is, is becoming informed and aware, then they can when they accepted the, you know, the theory, that's when they can truly make positive changes. Yeah. What are you, what are you curious about right now? Well, I'm, I'm sorry if for everybody who doesn't know who's listening to this. I'm in this beautiful room right now, just staring at these salt blocks that are mm. making me feel amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm curious about salt blocks and why you have them here. <laughs> Yeah, they're here because, well, one, sometimes you just need a salt lick, right? Do <laughs> <laughs> you find people just coming in here and licking your wall? I'm sure that's happened for sure. I'm sure that's happened for sure. I I really love the, the capacity to negatively ionize the air, right? This natural way where we can bring some, some calmness into the air experience. Mm -hmm. But also... They're just beautiful. They are. I mean, they're just beautiful. And this is, there's such a calming effect in this room, right? We, we've made it into this podcast. You guys were nervous when we started, but now it's just chill. It's so chill. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's interesting because I have one of those um, salt blocks that oh you cook God. on. The, oh, yeah, yeah. The grill, yes. And I have it under my couch. And sometimes mm. when I'm feeling like I need to be grounded because I can be very neurotic yeah. sometimes, 
I'll just pull it out and then I'll just put my bare feet yeah. on it to sort of ground myself, yes. especially if it's really hot outside and I don't want to go barefoot out there. Yes. Um, I was actually thinking about bringing that into our clinic too, because a lot of people have been asking about grounding. We usually just go outside, but yeah. if I just had a salt block, that would yeah. be amazing. So yeah. this room is bringing out my creativity. Yeah. All these yeah. ideas are flowing. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> well, Patrick, what I'm curious about is how, for, for the couple weeks I've known you, yeah. you have nothing but positive and, you know, just smiling all the yeah. time. <laughs> it's almost like you made that decision in your head that you're going to be a positive person yeah. and that's something you know I want to learn more about yeah. how why why <laughs> more Patrick yeah exactly <laughs> so one man this is one of my favorite topics I I use this analogy a lot and for some people it works and for some people it doesn't but I use the analogy that we're kind of as we're going through life we're, we're getting poked with hot pokers right things that we don't want to happen they're happening to us constantly and all right. the time um and we, once we learn that when we get hot, hit with a hot poker, it's not fun, then we try to avoid hot pokers. Right. I've learned that if instead of being worried about being hit by hot pokers, you just go through everything really completely openly and exposed, everything burns down. Right. So you can have the worst possible thing happen to you ever. And I've had like 2019, I've had some of the worst things that I've ever imagined in my life happen to me. And through that, hot pokers don't bother me anymore, right? You can hit me with a hot poker and I'm like, hey, the world's already burned down. Life is good. Nothing can go wrong right now. So for me, it was learning that instead of shying away from the fact that things are going to go wrong, I open myself completely to the fact that things are going to go wrong. And okay. hot pokers, once you, once you know they're there and you're not scared of them, mm -hmm. they can't be scary anymore. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> So that is, that has become my, that has really become my life. But 2019 has been a massive, massive shift for me. And it, it all started with the beginning of the year. Um, everybody knows this, so I'm happy to talk about it. At the beginning of the year, my life partner, um, and, and co-studio runner, and we did everything together. She, she left me and it was like with three days notice and there, it was just, it was not handled in a way that was lovely and appreciative. And there's been lots of things that have gone on with that, but that world burning down was freedom. It was the scariest thing that ever happened. And I thought, Oh, I'm never going to be able to make it through this, but we can make it through anything. We, like we have the opportunity to make it through anything we want to do. And when something goes wrong, when we read, when we meet a challenge and you guys know this, right? You have two choices. You can either stop, huddle, hug close to the ground and whine and complain about it, or you can grow and expand to the new opportunity that's there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you just keep growing, keep expanding. And I'll ask you this, because I think this is, I think this is actually a universal human desire. And, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. I think there's a universal human desire for human, for, for constant and infinite expansion. And what I mean by that is everyone has something that they want to be better at, right? They want to be nicer. They want to make more money. They want to look prettier. They want to look younger. Everybody has something that they're trying to expand from. So if we're constantly open to the expansion, life's amazing. Wow. That is, that is an awesome outlook. Right? <laughs> wow, yeah. We are going to put into practice. We're going to do our best. Yes, 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 yes. Thank we yes. are. 
everyone can do that. That's the other really nice thing, right? It doesn't, it doesn't really require us to do anything but stop doing the things that we have been doing. Because it's the things that we have been doing, right? It's the fact that we have been scared of something that might go wrong. It's the fact that we're, we're pulling away or we're not opening ourselves up that's actually the problem. And all we have to do is just let that go. Mm-hmm. You just let that go. And that's where all the freedom comes from. So I really love it because it, everyone on the planet can do that. Everyone can stop doing the, holding on to the things we're holding on to. All we need to do is let go. And then we're free. We're free. Well, no. Freedom's fun. Freedom is fun. <laughs> yeah. Freedom is fun. Do you, I, I'm curious what your answer to your opener question would be. What's a day in the life My typical of day. Life? My typical day. Um, my days are pretty insane. So um, <laughs> I start I start around 5 a.m. every day and I end around midnight, 1 a.m. every day. So I do a lot. Um, I, I'm running Vitality. I am running a, a business called Sacred Plant Co., which is focused on culturally significant plants that uh, impact or benefit the world in unique and different ways. And then I run a, a furniture resale business with my brother in, in Mesa. So I have a lot of like... I have a lot of hands in my world um, with this entrepreneurial desire that's in me. And then I really spend a lot of time focusing on the humans in my life and how I can best benefit their experience so that they can reach their full capacity. So any free time, any free time that I have, I'm almost always dedicated that to someone and figuring out how I can help them achieve and reach and reach their full experience. Um, and you can see that you've been here for class, right? There's, I'm pulled in a lot of different directions while, while class is about to go on or while class ends. And, um, that never really stops for me. When I leave, somebody else will, will want that and we'll, we'll give them that and they, they get to grow and expand. And I've really become this kind of hub of, of helping people experience their potential. And that's really what I really deeply pride myself in. So 5 a.m., I wake up, I meditate, uh, I feed the dogs, I feed the cat. They'll, they'll all be screaming at me significantly. Uh, <laughs> I, my meditations are generally 21 to 42 minutes. Um, I have a pretty specific meditative practice that I've, um, you know, I was taught by Sakuru and it really allows me to reset my, my brain in ways that I just can't imagine connecting with the universe in the way that I can. So every morning I get to view the whole cosmos in my brain and that's a great place to start. I go out back, I water the plants. Um, and then I come here almost, almost every day. I mean, I come here at some point every day and we, we do our yoga thing in the middle of the day. I go home and we have to rewater the plants because it's the middle of summer in Phoenix and plants don't stay wet very long. (laughs) So we do the second watering at that point. Um, my, my, uh, assistant and I will work on taking anything that we need to process from that business. And we get that out in the middle of the day. And then, um, I come back in the afternoon, we start back up around four here and I go through another opportunity to be around yogis, which is amazing. I leave here generally between, let's see, six to seven. Um, and then I go home and 
I do all of the life stuff, computer stuff, and <laughs> and then I'm building a lot of websites for people, which is another thing that I do. So <laughs> Calendar. In, in 2018, I built the, I think it was 2018. Yeah. 2018, I built the Suns um, e-commerce platform. And that was like a really nice opportunity for me to like really dive into building huge, massive websites. And now I'm helping my friends and, and people in my world kind of, help their branding. That's another business that I didn't even talk about. I, I do too many things. Wow. How about that? You really <laughs> do. <laughs> do you ever feel overwhelmed by all of this? No, because I just grow and expand. Right? So, again, I, I could huddle down, right? And I could feel overwhelmed. Without a doubt. I could feel overwhelmed. And I have. Historically, I've felt really overwhelmed. But I've grown to the point now where I recognize that any challenge that's in front of me, if I do it to the best of my ability, anything that comes up to the best of my ability, I don't have any other option, right? So there's nothing else I could have done. And if you do everything that you can to the best of your ability in that moment, what other choice did you have? You either did it or you didn't do it, but you did the best you could. So there's no point worrying about it. There's no point worrying about, about it. That yeah. is great advice. It yeah. really is. So many times I find myself very overwhelmed by, you know, I have five patients coming in later today. Have I prepped for them? Have I looked through their charts? Do they have labs that need to be ordered that day? Did I do all my chart notes from yesterday? Does anybody need a refill on their prescription? Oh, also I need to reconcile the bank statements. You know, I've got all yeah. of these things. Yeah. And then I find myself when somebody needs me and they need me to be present for them, like say Dr. Who, he has a question and maybe he's feeling stressed out and really just needs mm -hmm. me to talk with him. I find myself like not allowing that space. I don't give him that space because yeah. I'm too overwhelmed with all the tasks I have. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people experience that. And I'm curious what you would, what your advice for that would be. Because <laughs> when you have these deadlines that need to be met, you know, I have this patient coming yeah. an hour from now. I can't not prep for them just because you need to talk about something. Yeah. Or do you? And just not prep for them. What do you, I don't yeah. know. So, so in my, I definitely, I definitely will create, um, like if I know I have something that has to be done, right? There, there are things that have to be done. I'll give myself that space and I'll, I'll have that conversation with somebody who wants that time too. And I'll just say, Hey, I need this time. Like I have to block out this time to this time, but at the moment that's done, the moment that's done, let's, let's do this. So I do that a ton okay. where, cause I will give myself, right. If I know something's coming up, like, right, I'm starting a program, um, this Saturday that has to be done and I'm building a whole new website for it. And there's, there's things. And I've had conversations with people like, Hey, my Friday morning, I'm, I'm dedicated. I'm locked in. This, this has to happen. But if somebody's there in front of me and they need me, then they need me. Mm -hmm. Right? Like there are times when the end of the day, we're all going back into the dirt. So if somebody needs me right here, right now, and they need me, I ha I, it's my responsibility to be there for them. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And there, I like that. It's a great opportunity. I mean, if we all remember at the end of the day, none of this really matters, right? At the end of the day, we're here. We're on borrowed time. We came into this world with nothing. We're going to leave this world with nothing. So anything that happens to us while we're alive is a bonus. Mm -hmm. 
Everything that happens to us while we're here is a bonus because we were not granted any of this. We came here literally with nothing and we will leave literally with nothing. So, yeah, deadlines are just, it's just time. They're made up. Sure. I'll tell my accountant that. (laughs) I tell my accountant that. She will listen to this and she's going to die right now. Yeah, I, I really, I really think that we also, we, there's so much, there's so much time that we actually have that we don't really appreciate. Oh, that's true. Right? Like we, we can spend time in ways that are not, that are not useful. And I've really, really, really started to get rid of that. Um, capacity has been my big thing for 2019. Like, I am bumping up against the edge of my capacity at everything. There's no more. I can't create more than 24 hours in the day, but I can utilize 20 of those hours. And if I'm utilizing 20 of those hours, there's not much time left. Right. So it sounds like you're sleeping for maybe four or five hours. Yes. Oh, wow. Which might not be the best thing for everyone, Mm -hmm. but... um, I would not function. I would not function. When I was, and it's, it's, I'm, I'm going to thank you guys both because the AC turned off in here. So it's like a million degrees. So thank you. Oh, I love it. All right. So when I, like when I was 13 years old, I hated sleep so much and I would sleep like one to two hours a night. And I just like, I wanted to do, I just wanted to do, I wanted to do. So from like 13 to 24 is like one to two hours a night. And I actually think. Like, just think about a time or a day when you, like, had the most amazing experience ever, right? You're not tired on those days. Like, if you're enjoying the heck out of life, you're not tired. Right. So, I think that part of the reason that I got super sick was that I I hated sleep so much that I was not doing it. But I also wasn't living my life, like, towards positivity. I was, like, a 195-pound, 3% body fat bodybuilder guy and I just go to the gym and like rage and just come home and rage and it just it didn't it it wasn't it wasn't soothing there was never a time when I soothed myself but now in the experience that I'm in I'm recharging all the time right so I don't I don't need the sleep because I'm not tired like I feel I feel energetically connected to people and I'm having such like an amazing experience all the time even when I'm like going at it at midnight it's like an amazing experience I'm like okay I have to stop like I have to just shut this down for a bit and then we'll get to we'll get started real early in the morning. <laughs> wow. That is so true. I feel like the days when we're most drained are the days we spend not doing something we're passionate about. Absolutely. You know? Not helping patients, but we had to deal with the business side of things. Mm. Those are the days when we feel the most drained. Yeah. yeah. Yes. 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 Staring at my QuickBooks, I can go. Yeah. Oh. If we were just seeing patients helping community members, you know, we would never feel tired. Yeah. And we wouldn't want to go to sleep. For sure. Yeah. 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 It's when you get into that other stuff, right? The adulting stuff mm-hmm. that we right. talk about. Yeah, how do we do less of the adulting and more of the living? How do we, Patrick? <laughs> Let's figure that out. <laughs> you, you, there's like this little crest in the front of the universe, right? The universe wants to push you forward. And if you get into that, you get into that flow of like, how do I get myself in front of patients all the time? You can do it. You just have to think a little bit more creatively. We box ourselves in in a lot of ways, right? Where we're like, oh, this is the thing I have to do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's get back to you guys. You guys are the important things here. So, 
<laughs> you are helping us right now. Yeah. You're our doctor right now. Teaching us so many things. Patrick is teacher. Yeah. That really, I mean, teacher is a teacher is really, it has become my role in a lot of ways. Right. And last thing, everybody knows this. I think who listens to this, but when I was born with this really special gift, which is that I have never had the negative dialogue in my head. So that gift really saves me a lot of energetic component in the day, right? Where everybody's talking to themselves about how they can't do something. I never hear that. It's just, here's a thing. I'm either going to do it or I'm not going to do it. There's never, can I do this or not? It's I'm going to do it. Or I'm not going to do it. And that's it. So I have all of that excess energy that people spend talking themselves into things to just do. And that allows for a lot of opportunity. And that's just a gift. And I'm trying to figure out how I can translate that gift that was in my brain to other people. Because it's a real, it is a gift. It's a it curse is. and it's a gift. It's an amazing gift. It is a but gift. what happens when, you know, you decide to do something, but, you know, we can't do everything 100% successfully. Yeah. What if you do something and it fails? Did I do it my best? If I did, then I can't do it. Perfect. Right? Like, yeah. I'm not, I will not be successful at everything I do. Right. But I can, I can give everything I can to everything I have. And then we can find out, we can find out. But if I did my best, I didn't have any other choices. Yeah. It makes it, it makes the, the clarity that comes from the clarity that comes from, did I do my best or did I not do my best is, is remarkably freeing, remarkably freeing. Do your best. Do your best. That's right. <laughs> um, okay. That's perfect. What's something you guys have failed at? I failed at helping every single patient that walks through that door. Mm -hmm. I really thought, you know, after graduating from medical school, I was a very ambitious person. Yeah. I told myself, I'll help everyone who walks through the door of Mind Royal. Yeah. After a while, I, I realized that I couldn't for various reasons. Yeah. Um, and that's been stressing me out a lot. Mm -hmm. And, but you know, after, um, doing some meditation and thinking through, I realized that, you know, it just won't happen hundred percent of the time. I did my best. Yeah. But you know, sometimes I just have to admit that I'm not the best doctor for certain patients, which helps that patient. Exactly. So you are helping everyone. You might not fix everyone, right? But you can help everyone. Just yeah. smiling helps it's, everyone. It's funny. There, I have a patient who, you know, I've been trying to fix one particular issue. And after two months, I would say, I just couldn't do it. Nothing yeah. improved. So I, you know, I decided to be open with my patient. But I said, I did everything I could. Yeah. I don't think I'm the best person to treat this condition. Yeah. But I've heard amazing things about this clinic, that doctor. Yeah. I'm going to personally refer you to them. And... Surprisingly, they came back to see me. Yeah, I thought I'll never see them again. <laughs> they came back for, of course, for different issues. Yeah, but you know, our relationship just improved, Heck and yes. I never thought it would happen. Yeah, I yeah. love that. I love that. Yeah, that's that's legit helping people. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. Okay. It really is. Yeah. Um, for myself. I would say the biggest failure for me so far has been 
the demise of some of my relationships throughout my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm noticing this pattern. And <laughs> I talk to Dr. Who about this all the time. He's annoyed, I'm sure. I'm not. <laughs> um, I'm, and it's similar to what we've been talking about, that I tend to just have my nose to, you know, to the books, to whatever it is that's right there in front of me. And I don't hold space for people. I don't foster relationships because I'm so, you know, I've got my eye set on being this, the best doctor and getting Med Royal to be, you know, this phenomenal success that I am not, I'm not focusing my time on the success of my relationships. When, when I really sit down and look at it, that is what's most important to me, not the business, not yeah. be, being a doctor, not at all. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why, uh, going back to one of your questions in the very beginning, was um, with my relationship now and recovering from med, med school, I'm not letting myself get in that burnout because I have seen it destroy my relationships. Yeah. And I refuse to let that happen with my husband and yeah. my family members. And I've got, luckily I grew up in this area. So I have a really core, uh, close group of friends that I went to middle school with and high school with. And those are the people that I just need to focus my energy on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not about being the best doctor. It's not about that at all. Because if I'm fostering these good relationships, then that'll come across as a doctor, you know, because then I can foster those relationships with my patients. Yeah. Um, it's not about how much I know. It's about how much I can be there for them. Yeah. So mm. definitely the demise of those relationships was my biggest failure, but it was my greatest lesson. Yeah. Biggest opportunity mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. It's interesting if you, if we look like a culturally, like anthropological study of like which doctors would say, right? Which doctors are really the people who have the best relationships within the community? Because that's what they're doing. They're just they're just managing relationships within the community and trying to make those choices happen in the best way possible. Um, and if we look forward into the future, all of our intellect is going to be is going to be replaced by AI, right? Intellectually, yeah. we will be replaced by AI, and we're headed back to that. I think, I hope we're headed back to that, that time where actual communication, like relationships and communication will be the important thing in our existence. Mm -hmm. And I really do believe because our, our phone holds more data than we can ever hold in our brain, right? All the answers are ever, ever right in the phone. Eventually it's we're going to have less importance on how much data I can cram in my brain. We're going to realize, Oh, it's all right here. Or we've interfaced with, technology so much that it's then piped into our brain but then real relationships are going to matter so it when i'm talking to people who want like to get into business that's my thing for sure is exactly what you said is relationships are what's going to make your business successful Mm -hmm. relationships are what's going to make your business successful without a doubt every business you're in that's the truth not how smart you are how smart you are is going to get you in trouble (laughs) <laughs> it is. It is. Yes, because you think you're really smart, but and then your ego gets away from yeah. you, and that is a dangerous game. Yes, <laughs> yes, dangerous. yes, yes. It is. Okay, on that, on that, on that point, what's the worst purchase you've ever made in your life? <laughs> what? <laughs> I was not expecting that question. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, our ego gets involved in those purchases for sure, right? Like, oh, that—that yeah, that is the one thing that I'm missing in my life, and I'm gonna—I'm gonna get that. And when I bring that to my life, life's gonna be complete. You know, 
I don't really ever regret much. Mm. I, I would say, and when I tell you about this purchase, it's not that I regret it. It's just like, that was a really silly decision you made. <laughs> and it's a funny story now. So let me tell you. Um, I was, I think I was 18, and I really wanted a truck. Mm. I just I wanted a truck. Yeah. And I found one. I used, it was a Ford F-150, and I went to the lot, and I had my mom meet me there and didn't realize that it was manual. Mm. It was a work truck. <laughs> and I did not know how to drive a manual car. So when my mom saw it, and I wanted this truck so bad, I could be a little bit impulsive, mind you. Um, I wanted this truck so badly, and my mom said, do you even know how to drive a manual? And I told her I did. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I pretty much taught myself how to drive that <laughs> manual truck it. off the lot and stole <laughs> every single light until I got onto the freeway. And my mom was following me the whole time. Mm. And she waited until I got to the freeway. And she called me and she goes, yeah, you just taught yourself how to do it. <laughs> I was like, sure did. Please stay behind me. Make sure I don't die. <laughs> That's impressive, though. That is impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I also had like watched some YouTube videos. I sort of knew what I was doing, but I had never done it. And you know, it was just all in theory. <laughs> wow, I love that. That's great. <laughs> I would I turn that. Okay. Um, yeah. My worst purchase was a piano mm. two years ago, mm. and you know, learning how to play piano is great and everything, but I. Not into music, you know, anything like that. I'm not an artistic person. But I bought a piano because I convinced myself that to be a better person, I needed to learn a skill. Without realizing that's not who I am. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be a better person. But that definition, better person, is like I was trying to think what, how other people view me and how I can be better in their eyes. Yeah. Without realizing that I'm not a, that kind of person, you wouldn't do me any good. Yeah. I was tired of, you know, spending all my free time doing things that, you know, like watching TV, playing video games. I know, I know. You love it. I love it. I love it. I think it was a bad decision because I should have accepted who I am. Yeah. You know, instead of trying to be someone I'm not. For sure. Yeah. Till this day, I'm still learning how to play piano. I have no idea how to read sheet music. <laughs> I memorize how to play two songs, but it's what key to press one after another. <laughs> I'm proud of now it. Now it's a party trick. Right? I'm proud of it, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, just, I didn't like how I tried to change myself. Mm. Yeah. How interesting. Yeah. yeah. What a great lesson. Yeah. Wow. As you look at, as you look around you, what's the closest thing to real magic you've ever experienced? I need more time. You go first. <laughs> <laughs> wow. There's so many things. I feel like I experience that on a daily basis, but I, honestly, I would say that the most magical thing that's happened to me recently is Doctor Who and I actually becoming friends. And what I mean by that is in med school, we were not friends. Not that we were enemies by any means. We just never spoke to each other. And then when, you know, he asked if I wanted to start the business with him, I was like, okay, stranger, let's do it, you know? And I just thought we were just oh, too introverted that we would never be friends. Right. And the difference in our relationship now compared to then, that is magical, I think. Yeah, I agree. That I was going to say something similar. Um, 
like Dr. Goodenar said, we're introverts. I kept everything to myself, you know. I, I had my role in school, in classrooms, my seat, you know, and just me. And next to me is my backpack. On the other side is my lunchbox. So, <laughs> but uh, over the past year, I learned so much about human relationships and what it means to have friends, having your community supporting you. And it all started with Dr. Greenlard. Mm. You know? And thanks to all these wonderful people in my life, I'm not an island anymore. Yeah. And that made my life so much better. Yeah. <laughs> that was the best answer ever. <laughs> wow. Okay, well, one, I want to say that that is real magic. That's not even close to real magic. Like, real friendship is like magic, mm -hmm. magic. So, wow, congratulations. That Thank was you. awesome. <laughs> what made you approach her? You know, I, I always knew I wanted to start my own practice, but I knew that, you know, I couldn't do it by myself. Uh, I went to the same medical school as my fiance right now. Mm -hmm. But I knew that, you know, the two of us couldn't just accomplish what, you know, what I want to accomplish in my head at that yeah. point. So I needed someone who, number one, most important is a, very, is a kind person, a good person, an honest person, and a loyal person, and someone who was competent, you know, and who is, you know, passionate about helping people. And Dr. Greengard was on top of my list. I've been, I've been observing her for a while in school, you know, just watching her interacting with patients. But more importantly, with our classmates, with our peers. Yeah. I want to see if this would be a doctor without ego who truly just wants what's best for people around her. Yeah. And once I decided, you know, she was that person, it took me months to summon the courage to approach her <laughs> and wait till no one was in the classroom. That was a perfect one. was like so unapproachable. <laughs> well, every day, you know, I sit in the last row. You're always in the first row. I see you with, with your five bags just I walking don't, there don't. to the front of the classroom by yourself. Oh, my God. I was intimidated. Yeah. Yeah. I told you I had blinders on. My nose was in my books. Yeah. What made you agree to it? Well, I always wanted to be my own boss. I'm, I don't... I don't really like having a boss above me, um, but I didn't think that it was feasible for many years. I needed to save the capital for it. Um, and then when he approached me and he's like, hey, I've got this sum of money, open this clinic for me, do these things. And I was like, okay, perfect, <laughs> love to. Uh, before med school, I was a bookkeeper for one business. I, I sort of dabbled a little bit in like helping small businesses grow and especially doing the book bookkeeping side of everything. So I knew I had a little bit of savvy when it came to business. Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely been a learning lesson though. I, I'm, I'm nowhere near where I thought I was, but, um, so yeah, mm -hmm. once he said that, let's do this, I was like, excellent. Yeah. Totally happy to do this. Wow. Yeah. Oh, it's scary though. Of course it's scary yeah. jumping into this new endeavor and not having, you know, this clinic that you show up to and they say, here's all your patients and mm -hmm. you get this pay this guaranteed paycheck. Yeah. So that was scary. But luckily my husband was like very supportive and said, I will help you if yeah. you need it. So was that a path? Like could either of you have ever gone down the path of just slipping into someone else's practice and being handed a list of patients? Was it ever a thought? For me, it was a thought because I thought that's what I had to do. I okay. had no other options. Yeah. 
Um, I didn't love the idea, but I was willing to do it for a couple years. <laughs> okay. okay. Same for me. Yeah. Okay. I just, I knew maybe I had to do that and that's yeah. fine, but I prefer not to do that. Okay. Okay. I like that. Interesting. So, well, how did, how, okay. Cause I think there are, there are different mindsets, right? Like some people, that's really what they want. They want the, the opportunity to have that safety and that just the th- the space where you don't have to think really, right? It's like I go in and I do my job and then I'm done. I wash my hands and life was good. So how did you, how did you get to the point where you knew you were going to do something different? Well, I've always worked, you know, in high school, in college, and in medical school, but I could never stay in one place for a long time because there was no growth. So it wasn't meaningful. Yeah. I was watching um, uh, just a talk where, you know, they're blaming millennials for not having the patience and you know, giving up too, too soon. Yeah. And that was one of my problems. Um, however, I thought, you know, if given the opportunity to do what I want to do, to do what I think is meaningful, yeah. then I can really accomplish something there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I really do think that is an important thing is that giving up too soon component. There's going to be challenges, yeah. right? There's going to be challenges. Yeah. You just got to work your way through those. Yeah, I'm still extremely impatient. And when I get that way, I go to Dr. Greenbar. So Yeah. You know, from the time we, I, I asked her to be my business partner, it took, what, just only a couple of days for us to form the company. That's even impatient. Yes, yes. Dr. Greenberg, did you order that Botox yet? Yeah. Oh, I, I've got a patient. I'll do it in a second. Five minutes later. Did you order that? <laughs> <laughs> so you're being generous when you say five minutes. Yeah, really. Uh, I'll just stand outside of her door and stare at her. I don't care if she does. Oh. Well, that's good that you guys are good friends. Yeah. So she doesn't have to kick you in the shin. <laughs> she says I don't kick him in the shin. So just if there was one question that you could ask and get the absolute truth to, what would it be? Who am I asking the question to? The universe. The universe. An absolute truth. Something that we, we don't know. You don't know. You know yours? Hi, well, kind of. Uh, if I can be 100% honest, yes. I would ask the question, if I did everything in my power to take care of everyone walking through the door of Manuel and, you know, be respectful and completely honest with them. At the end, will it be worth it? Mm. This whole challenge, this clinic. Yes. That's what I would ask. Yes. You, know, you don't even need to ask the universe that question. Heck yes, it'll be worth it. <laughs> Heck yes. How can you it know? not be worth it? <laughs> I think it comes down to my, you know, patience having that, or the lack of patience. Yeah. But let's, so like, everything falls apart tomorrow, right? Like right. the whole thing is just the worst possible thing that could ever happen. Think of all the impact that you've made on all the people that you've interacted with over the last year, right? Like that is worth it. That's worth it without a doubt. So yes, it's worth it. <laughs> Patrick, I trust you. I'm gonna take your word for it. <laughs> it 
If we had all of his patients in this room, they'd all be screaming it was worth it. Yes. Heck yes. Yeah. Heck yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I think my question would be, am I, am I living my truths and my, am I fulfilling the role that I was put on this planet to fill? You know, am I, am I utilizing my best gifts? Am I, when do I get to that point of fulfillment and what is fulfillment? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? You're already there. You just have to let go. I've never had those questions that I could just answer for you. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> We're not complicated people. <laughs> like the fulfillment thing, I think is an interesting question, right? Cause everybody, this becomes the question, the desire for infinite expansion, right? We have this desire to infinitely expand. And if you can't count to infinity, you're, there's never going to be a next thing that happens that puts you to the point where you're fulfilled, right? It's never going to be, oh, that's the peace. Because the moment you have the peace, the space expands. The next piece, the space expands. The next piece, the space expands. So we have to just release that fact that something's coming that's going to offer us fulfillment and, and destination and realize this is the destination. We've made it. We're here. <laughs> that's absolutely true. Yeah. I love that. To just be present. Be present. Be present. Be here. Yes. So, okay, last, last two questions I think that I, I have for you. Um, and one you've kind of already done, so we, you may get off the hook beautifully on the last one. But th this, is there anything that I should have asked you that I haven't? Questions require a lot of thinking. Anything <laughs> <laughs> you should have asked. You can say no. I'll let you off the hook on that. <laughs> no, I love all your questions because you know it asks us about ourselves, like who you we are. Heck yes, yeah. the most important thing on the planet. Yeah, it's very different. But I like it. <laughs> say no to that. Uh, you didn't ask our hobbies. Ooh, yes. I love that. Heck yes. Mm -hmm. Go. It's going to make you look better. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> I would say my, it's a tie. I have two of them. One of them is spending time with my husband and my family. I'm yeah. super close to my family. Mm -hmm. um, so any minute I can be with them. And then when I'm with them, if I could be cooking as well, those are my two passions, my hobbies, I would do them. What's your go-to meal to cook? Depends on who my guests are. <laughs> if they're people who like vegan food, then I make a killer Buddha bowl. Mm. But I do all my own like ingredients. It just depends on what I'm feeling that day. If I want like butternut squash or if I want sweet potatoes, if I want curry chickpeas. That's fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, it's probably chicken pesto. Okay. And and if you cook chicken pesto, are you going to consume it? No. Okay. I make I always make my own separate yeah. one without the chicken. Fair. Cool. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I love spending time with my fiance, Dr. Carbon, the third owner of the practice, yeah. and spending time with my two pugs. Mm. We're crazy. <laughs> so cute. Yeah. Um, but I gotta admit, I love watching TV. I yeah. love watching Netflix, who, you know, all the TV shows, the sitcoms. It just gives me energy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I love that. What What are you uh, What are you watching right now? I love. I like to watch the same shows over and over again, okay. so that I can turn my brain on and off as mm-hmm. needed. My favorite one is The Office. Mm-hmm. Mine too. That's my all-time favorite <laughs> show. We fight. Who's the better fan? We we'll quiz each other too. <laughs> Yeah, wow. I think we could say every line from that show. Yeah, exactly. I like it because people are just being themselves, and that's what's fun about that show. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I'm collecting shows that someday I'm going to watch, and I'm, I will work my way through the office someday. Oh, I'll tell you one of my favorite right now. Okay, tell me. The original Angel. Okay. Have you heard of it? I've heard of no TV. Oh, oh my goodness. You've got to watch it. The original Angel. Have you ever seen the movie Interstellar? No. I don't see movies either. I'm the worst. I'm like the worst pop pop culture person. Has four on. hours of sleep. <laughs> it's basically about parallel dimensions. Okay. But I don't want to give too much away. Okay, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. That sounds fun. Original Angel. Mm-hmm. Okay. I Tell love physics and I love Einstein and it's right it's mm-hmm. in that realm. So. How fun. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, last question. And you guys kind of have already done this. So this is how I end every show. I'm just going to do it. Do you have any questions for me? And I know you've already asked me lots of questions. <laughs> so that answer can be, no, we're done with that, dude. <laughs> I have a question. Okay. I would like to know how you came up with the vibrational place. That yeah. is an amazing experience. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. So when I was really sick, um, my story, and I started as a doctor who I think I, I, sh- I spent about $350,000 um, trying to get better. And one of the things that I bought that actually worked was a whole body vibration plate. So when I found the whole body vibration plates, I could like get up and maybe stand for like a minute. And I got a whole body vibration plate. And when I got up and stood, I'd stand on the plate. And within a month, I was from one minute to 15 minutes of standing. And from that time, it was like probably two months and I was walking like a block around the neighborhood and there was just this massive immediate impact on how my body was, was feeling and responding. And I knew at that moment that I I wanted to share that with the world. Um, restorative yoga then became a part of my, of my practice. It was like the only physical thing I could do. So I went from a guy who was at the gym six hours a day to a guy who couldn't get out of bed. And then it was, what is the thing that I can do in restorative yoga, right? Where you don't get up, you're, you're on your back the entire class. That was the maximum amount of physical exertion that I could do. So then when I could stand on the plate, it was like, all right, how can I bring some yoga onto the plate and combine those two? And once I knew that, then I just had to figure out how we could do it. And elevating the floor so that we could build the plates into the floor was really the thing that changed, changed the game. Um, cause most whole body vibration plates are set up like treadmills. So you have really restricted capacity to move on them. Um, and bringing, bringing the full 360 degree movement was just so massively impactful. And then watching how 
that as my, you know, as my health improved and, and my physical practice improved, watching how being on a vibration plate affected my traditional yoga practice was like, oh, we have to have to share this with the world. Yeah. I have to say it was one of the most incredible experiences I've ever, ever experienced, really. So I've done yoga for many years and I just have to share this. Recently, I have been having really bad knee pain. Mm. And I sort of fell out of my practice these past couple of months doing it here and there, but very rarely. And I could tell that my knee had something to do with the, you know, not doing yoga, lack of stretching. I think it was my my sartorius, you know, this muscle in my hip. It was just throwing everything off. Um, And... And I would, I wake up in the middle of the night for the past month with this knee pain. After I did your yoga a couple of days ago, I have not had that pain. It is incredible. (laughs) And I also am much more clear in my head Mm. this past week, making sharper decisions, not so much brain fog. Yay. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yay. Love it so much. After she came to do the yoga, she came to my office and she was like, guess what? I have no pain. (laughs) That is one of my favorite things. It's something that I like very rarely talk about because down the list of like things that the vibration plate can do, like helping create stability of joints is so far down the list, but it's amazing. Like I used to not be able to sleep at night because I had so much shoulder pain. And just doing down dogs on the plate. And the reason, right, is you're taking out your imbalances. The vibration is, is forcing you to actively, constantly challenge your body's total balance. Mm-hmm. And you're bringing yourself right back in and you just, you re, it's like you realign everything in your body. That's exactly, that is a perfect word. That's exactly how I feel. I feel realigned after that. Yay. That makes me so happy. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> Can I ask you two questions? Yes. Okay. The first question you asked the same question. What has been your biggest failure? Mm. I think it's, it's interesting. I think it's, it's very similar to Dr. Greengard in that, um, I was very much the, the, the intellectual, how can I consume as much information as possible? And how can I be as intellectually sharp as possible? Because that's what I, put all my value and importance in and it it dramatically hurt my ability to maintain, um, strong relationships. So for sure I have, I have experienced that. Um, man, it's like everything, everything is my biggest failure, right? It's, you know, you get up and you just go and you hit a challenge and then you, you move to the next challenge and you move to the next challenge. I fail a thousand times a day and they're all, they're all part of exactly where I am right now. So all of everything that I do, I feel like is a failure in a lot of ways, right? It's nothing I do is perfect, but it's also who I am right now. Everything happens for a reason. Everything happens, whether it's for a reason or not, right? It's like, yeah, we can look back. Um, sometimes you look back at like the thing that you thought was the worst thing ever. And it turns out that five years in the future, you're like, man, if I didn't have that happen, I would never be at this amazing place right now. But we also don't like my parents are going to die. And that's not like, I don't want to 
there's no, there's a, there's a reason, right? Biologically, they're not gonna they're not gonna function anymore, and that's gonna that's gonna suck. It's it's gonna happen. Right. So I can't be like, oh, that's, this is a great thing that's gonna happen, but it's gonna happen. My job as as a as a as a sibling and my job as as a child is to outlive my parents and to do my best to outlive my brother so that they don't have to suffer with the fact that that I'm gonna die. Like that's how I look at my life. My job is to outlive my parents number one. Right. Mm-hmm. Nothing worse than having a losing a child. Right. I have to outlive my parents. I want to outlive my my sibling too because I don't want him to have to suffer with that too. Like but I fail every day, all the time, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I love, it. I yeah. love, I love failing and looking at it as just a lesson. Like just, just a lesson. Just push forward. Yeah, that's it. Don't let it. You don't did it. Own it. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, too many people are like, oh, well, now I'm a failure. Right. No, you didn't. You failed. That's cool. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. Grow. Again. Grow. Mm-hmm. My second question is, you know, you have been here for years. Yeah. And. In a lot of ways, what you have been doing, we're trying to do the same thing. You know, just connect this community and yeah. create a very uh, healing environment for them. Yeah. Knowing our situation, what advice do you have for us? Yeah. I'll tell you what. I think it's, again, it's a thing that I've learned this year. And it was um, just be exactly who you are. Right? So for... We used to have this thing, and I don't think I've ever talked about this with anybody who hasn't worked with us, um, but we used to pretend you know, that this was Disneyland, right? And we would pretend that everything was perfect. And that experience put a lot of pressure on everyone that was here, right? So everyone felt like they had to be perfect all the time when you were working here. And the reality is Disneyland isn't real. <laughs> and this year it has been completely the the pages have been peeled back right it, the, every you can see the underworkings of what goes on here and to a to a student i i would be willing to bet that everyone is happier with what we're doing and everyone is feeling more connected and i know for a fact that as a team as a team the teachers and the staff here we are happier than we've ever been and more connected than we've ever been and more supportive than we've ever been. And it's because we screw up, right? And that happens. And when we screw up, but just like I just said, I screw up every day. People screw up every day. It's not like, oh, this is the end of the world. We're going to yell at you. It's like, hey, we screwed up. We just had a, we just had a teacher, Brooke, you're going to love this. Um, for the third time in 17,000 classes, we had a teacher who didn't show up for a class to teach. It's a 6 a.m. class, so there's nobody here. And uh, A, for a yoga studio to only have done that three times in 17,000 classes is amazing. Like, yoga studios are known for not showing up. <laughs> so we're like, I'm, I'm in, a, in a lot of ways, like when I tell people that, they're like, wow, that's incredible. And I'm like, yeah, but we, we screwed up three times. Like, we, that's three times too many. But she didn't show up to class. She was terrified of like what my response is going to be. So she sent me a text, which when you get a text at whatever, six in the morning and at first student reached out to me and said, Hey, no one showed up. And then I get a text from her and she's like, whoops, I screwed up. And I was like, well, we're not going to do this via text. 
So I got to go deal with the students. So I called every student. I had a conversation with them. I said, hey, we screwed up. I apologize. I'm super sorry that we did this. This is not how we want to show up in your world. Our goal is to not be a stress in your world. So the fact that you woke up at 6 a.m. and drove here, I feel terrible about it. So if you have anything that I can do to make that better, let me know. Everyone said the every student, and this is the most remarkable thing ever. Every single student said the exact same thing. It's not the end of the world. We know you guys do a great job. Appreciate it so much. It's true. It's not the end of the world. Like nothing we do at Vitality is ever going to end the world. And we're lucky that that's the case. But the fact that when, when, when students recognize that, right, when students aren't like, oh, you ruined my day and I hate you, that means you've done something. That means you've invested in their bank enough to know that, hey, even when you screw up, we're still going to love and appreciate you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's the exact same conversation I had with the teacher. You know, I called her up and said, hey, She's like, oh, so worried. You know, I've been trying to, I've been talking to my friends about what you're, what I'm going to say to you. And I'm like, you screwed up today. You screwed up. How are you going to get better? Like, what are we going to do to get better after today? How are you going to connect with these students? How are you going to invest in their bank? Because now you're, you're in debt to them that you owe them the fact that you didn't show up for them. You have to figure out a way to get that back. And she did. She, she reached out to people. She, you know, she did a great job recovering from that. And we all grew and we're just better because of it, because we're open. Because mm-hmm. when we screw up, we're like, yeah, we screwed that up. That is such a good lesson. I feel like so often when we screw up, we avoid it. Hide. We are so scared yeah. of what the consequences are going to be. Yeah. I'm so grateful for Doctor Who because he does all of our damage control. If there's ever been <laughs> any sort of, you know, like a doctor's running maybe 10 minutes late yeah. to come out because their procedure has gone over or something. He is just at their side talking to them, apologizing, yeah. seeing how we can make it up to them. And no one, not yeah. a single person has ever been upset yeah. just because of that. Because yeah. we fostered really good relationships with them leading yeah, up yeah. to this point. So they were... They were completely fine and yeah. understanding. Or well, to be fair, it's our doctors who had that good initial relationship yeah. to begin with. with them. That's yeah. what made my job easier. Yeah. When I go to my patients, hey, you've been waiting for 15 minutes. It rarely happens. I'm so sorry about that. Yeah. And no one has ever been upset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They know how much the doctor cares about them. And that's why they're late. Because they yeah. care about the patient right. before them. Without they don't doubt. want to rush the appointment. You know? Without a doubt. So it's definitely not a hard job. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Though. That is really amazing. I did miss an appointment, though. I completely forgot about it. <laughs> I left the clinic half hour later. I'm at home. The patient sent me a message. I guess you changed your mind. <laughs> and, you know, I said, I don't have excuses. Yeah. I screwed up. I yeah. forgot. I didn't put it in. Yeah. She was saying, don't worry about it. Yeah. I'll see you next week. That's the nicest thing ever, right? Yeah. Like, uh, man, if I could give advice to people, that's the thing, right? If somebody screws up your order or whatever, if somebody makes a mistake... I promise you, no one is going around thinking, man, how can I screw up right now so that I can make this this experience the worst thing possible? Mm -hmm. I just know that and just appreciate whatever happened with you. Whatever whatever makes it right for you, ask for that and move on. Life Mm -hmm. is so so easy and simple if we do that. Yeah, and I think when that happens, people actually can appreciate you know, how you feel about it. Yeah. You know, no one feels good about screwing For up. sure. But if you're about. honest about it, respectful, then yes. other people can respect that too. Yes. Yeah. Thank you guys so, so much. It wasn't scary, you. right? Thank no, you. no. It wasn't. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been such a good little break from the day. Uh, we yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Talk to you guys soon. Okay.